Hello, Eat Real to Heal guests, and welcome to my podcast, the Eat Real to Heal podcast, where I'm your host, Nicolette Richet. And today on our show, I am so excited to be able to introduce Andrea to you all. This very special guest has a story that's very dear to my heart because there is no better feeling in the world than when the student surpasses the teacher and Andrea was one of my students. Before we dive into that story, I just want to share with you that Andrea was born and raised on the west coast of BC. Unlike most of the people who currently live in British Columbia who come from afar, even like myself, I moved here from Africa and settled on the West Coast, but I rarely meet people who are born on the West Coast of Canada in British Columbia. So that is something very unique about Andrea. Now, Andrea had spent time traveling and working before she made her way up to Whistler, where she now lives. And now Andrea is this incredible avid yogi. She's a hiker, she's a biker, snowboarder. She has this incredible, beautiful dog. And like most of the people who end up making their way to Whistler and settling here, she loves the mountains as I do. But unlike most of the people in Whistler, what sets her apart from the rest of the group is that she took her health into her own hands to reclaim not only her health, but also to save her own life. And this started when she hit rock bottom. She's gonna tell you more of that story in our podcast, so I don't wanna jump into that. But when she hit that spot, she picked up the phone and called us at Richer Health. She booked a discovery call with us and that led to her joining our nutrition and detox program two years ago. Now, Andrea's podcast, you know, she eloquently shares her story of waking up in a hotel room, of booking the call with me, and then everything that has happened since then, where she decides to learn about food as medicine. Now, after facing Andrea's personal health challenges, she was inspired to take action. And she had suffered from years and years of, you know, all the common um, ailments that plague us, but which many of us never take action to address. So the constant fatigue and the um, terrible gut health and all of those other symptoms that tend to uh, be precursors to a lot of the chronic diseases that plague our society. So she signed up for our, at the time it was called our Train the Trainer program, which is now our nutrition and detox education and coaching program. And this program, she says, opened her eyes to the power of food as medicine and the intricate relationship between the, the, between the mind and the body. So from there, when Andrea graduated, she went on and continued her studies and is now a certified holistic nutrition coach. She did her yoga teacher training. She got certified uh, by the culinary um, nutrition um, experts at the Academy Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Um, And she's a lifelong learner in the field of health and wellness. So from personal experience, Andrea knows that what we put into our bodies can definitely impact our mood, our energy, and physical health. And she dives into that in detail and brings you into her world of what it was like before she knew that and what it's like now. So I'm so excited to have Andrea on the show. 
And again, when I say there's no better feeling than when the student surpasses the teacher, well, Andrea immediately called us after doing all of this extensive study after she graduated from our program and she said, you know, I want to work for Richer Health and Green Mustache Companies. And she now works for us full time doing incredible work with launching our corporate outreach program to teach corporate employees that food is medicine and that they can reverse their chronic degenerative diseases that people are dying from every second of the day in North America. And she's also managing the back end of the podcast. She's doing managing really, we have so many programs and Andrea is on top of all of that. So it's such a pleasure to have Andrea working for us. She's been with us for over six weeks now as of the airing date of this podcast. She's the a joy to have in our world. And what it really shows us as well is the ability of somebody to shift their worldview and to undergo that paradigm leap from thinking about health and wellness in one way and to fundamentally experiencing it and knowing it in a completely different way. And it happened in really a short period of time, which gives me hope when I look at Andrea that this can be the way it is for hundreds of thousands of people across North America and across the planet that have no idea how to take their health back and how to live a vibrant and rich life. And Andrea is the epitome of how you can do that quickly. So stay tuned, enjoy the show, and let us know what you think. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, as you know, on our Eat Real to Heal podcast, we like to bring people on that have used all different methods to heal themselves. So at the end of the day, there's nobody that can heal you except for yourself because you ultimately know what your body truly needs. And you're a prime example of that. Uh, because, um, and just for everybody who's listening right now, uh, please note that Andrea started working for Green Mustache Holding Companies, so the collection of all of our companies, which include our wellness center, our health consulting company, and the Green Mustache collection of plant-based whole food restaurants. And she joined our team two, just over two weeks ago, which it's very exciting to have you here. I'm very excited to be here. Amazing. And the way Andrea got here was, and it's a beautiful story that I think everybody needs to know about because of the fact that she first signed up for our nutrition and detox training program, went through the program, and then she just kept reaching out to us at the Green Mustache saying, hey, I want to work for Richer Health. I want to do work in this field. And you really didn't, you were relentless, which I loved. And for me as an employer, that's what makes the average person who just submits a resume and doesn't follow up. That's what distinguishes them from the people who get the jobs and don't get the jobs. So we like to hire the people who are, um, Relentless and persistent, and you are relentless and persistent. Perfect, and I'm glad, and it got me here, and I'm excited about it. Exactly. So, um, and then going back to the healing hero story, um, you are really one of our healing heroes. Um, and according to, you know, Richard Health principles and Green Mustache principles, like I said, it's those people who decide that enough is enough. I'm not going to continue going about my life this way, living with these symptoms that I have, um, and perpetuating them with our with our lifestyles that perpetuate these chronic illnesses. So, 
let's go back to when you first learned about the nutrition and detox program. Like, how did you learn about this? Um, so my beginning with the program, I was actually traveling for work at the time. Uh, I traveled every now and again. And on this particular work trip, I was in Las Vegas. And it really put all of my vices in one place together, excessive amounts of food, excessive amounts of alcohol, um, you know, conversation with people that I don't know. So an uncomfortable environment. Uh, and my go to mechanism uh, was generally to consume alcohol over consume. Uh, and on that uh, trip, I, I overconsumed uh, quite heavily uh, food and alcohol. And uh, the last day of the trip, I woke up uh, after having been out all night till, you know, six o'clock in the morning, you lose track of time in, in Las Vegas. And I woke up that morning, uh, I was completely blacked out. I couldn't remember what had happened the night before, which had happened to me multiple times. Um, and I just knew something had to change. It was for me, that was my rock bottom that I hit. Um, where I had woken up so many times in my life, hungover, um, vomiting because I had drank too much. So, you know, that's happened to me, I want to say almost a thousand times probably from um, overconsumption of alcohol. So there I was once again, uh, woke up in the morning feeling anxious, feeling depressed, um, feeling disappointed in myself and knowing that I didn't want to feel that way anymore. My marriage was was not in a strong place as well. So all these things compiled. Um, I felt terrible. And as you do when you feel terrible, you start scrolling through Facebook. Um, and it was that day that I, I saw your um, course advertised. And it spoke to me in a different way. And I just felt drawn to it. And I felt like maybe this was the change that I needed to, to have to point me in a new direction. Um, and for me, I never invested money into myself in that way. It seems so crazy to consider investing around $1,500 into uh, a nutrition program that I really knew nothing about. But uh, the way that it was advertised and the things that you said that you could potentially help to heal, I just knew that I needed to register. And I ended up chatting with you on the phone um, a couple of days later and and yeah that was for me the a, a really pivotal point in my life because that's where I I really started to learn and grow and and make a huge shift in the way that I lived my life so would you have ever have thought of because our program I know we advertise it you know it's it's eat real to heal cancer and chronic disease but I mean it sounds like you were the average person in your you know late 20s, early 30s, that probably naturally drinks a lot on the weekend, goes out and parties, likes to indulge in, you know, wine and cocktails, gets tipsy, you know, ends up, you know, some people pass out, some people throw up, you know, some people just end up really hungover. Most people do a bunch of stupid stuff when they're drunk. Um, but it's not unlike the norm. So, um, you know, we, did you have any health issues beyond, let's say, the natural inclination to drink a lot or... Yeah, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety, depression, brain fog. Um, I was highly addicted to, to sugar. I had some pretty extensive gut health issues going on. I had terrible sleep, so I would never, never sleep properly. So all of those things were just leading to overall poor health um, and uh, a lack of, of happiness overall. And had you ever seen any doctors about this? Had you ever tried to get treatment in other ways? 
Um, I had started to see a naturopath. That was the beginning of me seeing a naturopath. So I started to kind of realize that, okay, maybe the, the way that I'm treating my body and the ways that I'm feeding myself, um, perhaps that's contributing to how I'm feeling. But it wasn't really until I started the program with you that the, the switch really flicked on. And I really started to realize that all of these things that I was experiencing were really interconnected and were related back to how I was feeding myself and all of the years leading up to that. You know, things don't just happen overnight, but I had had um, years of living my life a certain way. Uh, and I think all of those things just compiled and then it started to hit me. Um, and, and I certainly didn't feel healthy. Um, and that's when I knew that I needed to start making change to my diet. Interesting. And so when so going back like how long had these health issues persisted was it something that came on suddenly is it or because i remember going through uh, one of the things we teach in the program if you remember is the whole health history where we look at your health going right back from really being in utero and we just document everything that was a trauma or physical injury or an illness or surgery or disease, like anything um, that was, you know, happened in your life, just to see if we can see patterns. And I remember going that over or going through that with you and seeing some patterns. But, you know, did you recognize the patterns before or was it something as a kid you always dealt with? Tell us more about that. No, I don't know that I was really... I really wasn't very in tune with my body um, and it wasn't until I started taking that time to really tune in that I started to realize these things. Um, what happened for me, I think the, the start of it, uh, some of my health challenges and, and habits, uh, it started when I was young because when I was a teenager growing up in a really small town, I'm from Powell River, BC. Uh, you start drinking at a really young age. I started drinking when I was 12. I started smoking pot when I was 11. And wow. you associate socializing uh, with drugs and alcohol. And that happened at a really young age, which is really unfortunate. Um, so I never really learned how to be in social settings without um, drinking or having a drink in my hand. And then, you know, you leave home for the first time, you start going to college, and then obviously you're drinking even more. Uh, and you have really unhealthy habits in terms of food. And, you know, I definitely struggled a lot with self-confidence and self-love and all of those things. So my coping mechanism was to drink and then to overeat. And then, you know, you look at years, years of doing that. Um, in my 20s, then when I left college, I started working for Fairmont Hotels and Resorts and I worked in the restaurant business for a really long time. And anyone that's been a server in the restaurant business knows what that is like, especially when you work the night shift. So, you know, I'd work the night shift, um, get off after work, go out after work, spend all of my tips going, getting drunk, um, and then you're wasted and then you know that you need something to help absorb the alcohol so then you go and eat something like pizza uh, and then you wake up in the morning and you're hungover and for me I'm, I'm very sensitive to alcohol and I always have been so I would generally wake up um, vomiting from having uh, consumed too much alcohol and then you would need something to then heal yourself so you know something like bread with cheese like those sorts of things that kind of are comforting and you know help you feel like they help to soothe you uh, and that was that was my life for uh, an extensive period of time in my 20s and then I ended up getting my first office job and I started to settle down and I, I didn't drink as much you know I drank quite heavily on the weekends uh, but I still didn't have a great diet I was working on it um, and then when I did start to improve my diet that was great 
But then there's all the little things that fall in between. So you can be eating healthy meals throughout the day, but what about, you know, those bags of chips or all the sugary treats? And for me, I was highly addicted to sugar. So when I started moving into my late 30s, uh, sorry, my late 20s and early 30s, um, I knew that I had to be more cautious uh, because I was I had a, a desk job. So my day would look more like, okay, uh, you know, having a coffee to, to wake up in the morning. Uh, and then I became addicted to things like boot camp or CrossFit, doing something to help me burn an excessive amount of calories because I knew how I was going to lead the rest of my day. And that was going to look like, you know, getting getting to the office and doing my work and maybe I ate okay during the day. Uh, but around two or three o'clock, the, the crash would hit uh, and then I would need sugar. So then I'd go in search of sugar and I would excessively consume some amount of sugar, um, and which was terrible. I mean, you're eating hundreds of calories worth of um, Um, you know, purebred treats or whatever it might be. Uh, And then I would feel guilty about that and then try to maybe do some additional exercise after work to compensate for that. And then perhaps eat too much for dinner, eat more sugar after dinner. And then that, of course, that overeating and that excessive consumption of sugar is leading uh, to to poor sleep patterns because your body can't handle digesting all of that. And then I would wake up in the morning, not rested, uh, guilty about what I consumed the night before, and then eating again to, to grab the coffee so I could get to the boot camp so I could burn off the calories and just this constant wheel spinning in my head and it was actually your program was the first time that I realized I didn't have to live that way and it was because of your concept around if we're nourishing our bodies properly and we're eating only whole unprocessed unrefined foods we don't have to count the calories um, in the foods that we're consuming and our bodies will just naturally regulate so for me that was profound because I was the girl that had the calorie counting app on her phone for years constantly putting in everything that I ate and then constantly being disappointed by the fact that I had consumed too much so um, the teachings that you provided allowed me to to move forward and and finally detach from all of that Wow. So as I hear your story, it sounds exactly like every other North American's story. You know, coffee to wake up, wine at night to come down, 2 p.m. crash, more coffee, lots of sugary things to perk up. Um, And then use of exercise as a way to sort of justify all of that and to keep our bodies slim and trim. And for anybody who's listening to this podcast, um, I'm sitting across from Andrea now. You know, she's beautiful, blonde, um, very slim, you know, incredibly attractive from all of those standards. Um, Definitely in other countries, women with beautiful hips and bellies are also attractive. So I don't want to just necessarily say, but you know, according to North American standards of um, beautiful Andrea fits all of those. So, you know, we're not talking about somebody who's overeating and, you know, they're 200 pounds and feeling guilty. We're talking about somebody who's, you know, for all intents and purposes are probably an ideal weight. Um, And so this is the pattern that I see with so many people. And, you know, we talk about the fat skinny syndrome where people are, they, you know, eat, think that they can eat whatever they want and then they use exercise to burn it off. And, you know, part genetics, part excessive exercise can keep your body on the outside looking quite healthy. But what happens on the inside is a completely different story. And this was happening to you. Like you had really poor gut health. Yeah, I was, I was really struggling and... I don't know. I never really 
questioned it that much and I didn't realize that what was going on with my guts was then creating all of these other you know imbalances you know if you're feeling dis-ease in your gut then that can show up for you in other ways like anxiety and depression and I had no idea that those things were interconnected and it wasn't until I took your program that I started to realize um, all of those all of those things and and how you know I was feeding myself and and that was then you know all the sugar and um, you know the kind of uh, the the discomfort that was happening in my gut like all of that was leading to to poor sleep patterns um, and the brain fog so yeah everything was was connected and it was all connected back to to my gut which was connected back to how I was feeding it yeah in your brain as well and let's talk about your gut more and let's talk about poop because we talk about poop a lot on this show and um where with your gut issues like was it just grumbling and gas or was it like diarrhea and constipation or you know what did what did that like show up as for you because so many you know when it comes to gut health i mean people have stabbing pains they have dull aches they have bloating they have gas they can have diarrhea they can have constipation they can have bloody stools like literally there's just so many things but at the end of the day any of those symptoms are truly a sign of um and i love how you put it because it is dis-ease in the body right so disease or dis-ease and either way it needs to be addressed before that dis-ease becomes a chronic disease um so what did that show up as for you like so I experienced I was I was gassy and I was bloated constantly um, and I had to go to the bathroom a lot in an unhealthy way but I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily question that I thought oh I'm I'm expelling you're supposed to expel you don't necessarily think of that as being a bad thing uh, but then um, through what I learned you know from you and and then my further education and uh, becoming a health coach um, I realized that in, in doing that and having to go to the bathroom so frequently, uh, you're not absorbing all of the nutrients from your food. So I could be eating healthy food, but I wasn't absorbing all the vitamins and minerals uh, and really nourishing my body. Um, and I was obviously eating at that time a lot of foods that were um, causing, you know, a lack of harmony in my body and, and causing me to have to go to the bathroom more than what is um, healthy. Yeah, and it's great that you were able to eliminate because so many people don't get the opportunity to because they suffer from constipation. So for them, they're, you know, maybe going to the bathroom like maybe once a day, but for a lot of people, it's like once every three, four days. And it's very difficult and very uncomfortable and they have to live with those symptoms. Um, in the podcast that we did that's going to be coming out just before, the week before Andrea's podcast comes out, we interviewed Dr. Gordon Pedersen and I love how he uh, talks about the fact that when we eat all of these you know, animal products and sugary products. So this refined sugar, you have to make a di the distinction between whole foods sugar. So there's sugar in every single thing you eat, grains, fruits, vegetables, legumes. I mean, the building block of those foods are sugar. So that's just normal in nature. But um, when you're eating refined sugar, it's almost like you are fermenting beer in your gut so you add that refined sugar and anything that you're eating starts to ferment heavily because we have such a long intestinal tract that the food doesn't move through fast enough and so then you literally are creating alcohol in your system 
and then that alcohol has to get absorbed and expelled and so a lot of people end up with the brain fog and the depression and the anxiety but of course now you're also feeding the yeast and which has its um, off-gassing products and uh, waste products that the waste that the yeast produce but also the unhealthy bacteria so it just really perpetuates this really unstable state in the body but fortunately for you you were eliminating and w a lot of people will think that's great but Often it's the body being like, no, I actually, you need to go to the washroom to get this excessive alcohol state out of your body or excessive protein state. And so your liver's working super hard just to like detoxify you rapidly. So if that's happening to you, you need to know um, that, you know, great elimination is wonderful. Um, but what does that look like? You know, is it a, you know, you can look up on the internet, and maybe we'll add this to the show notes, but there's lots of great charts that show you what healthy stools look like and unhealthy stools look like. And those are great charts. People have to be very, very comfortable with looking at poo because that is what ultimately tells you um, the state of your health. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the stuff that's going in, but also what's important is the stuff that's coming out mm -hmm. and how it looks when it comes out. So when you... Um, then signed up for the program and you started and then you start to have these epiphanies um, and started to change your diet what, what because part of our program you do the Gerson therapy for two weeks and the Gerson therapy for anybody who hasn't listened to any of our other podcasts I am a Gerson trainer so I train people how to do the infamous Gerson therapy which was designed by Dr. Max Gerson and it's really just an abundance of organic plant-based whole foods um, it's sauce-free, which means it's refined sugar, refined oil, and refined salt-free. Um, it's high in potassium and magnesium. Um, you take a few supplements um, with the stuff that you can't get through food, and then you do a liver detoxification. And to get more nutrients, you also have to add some juices into your diet as well as all the food, which is both cooked and raw. So now that you guys are up to speed on that, Andrea, you did the Gerson therapy for two weeks on the program. Mm -hmm. So tell us what was that? What was that like? Because Chances are, like everybody else who's ever done the Gerson therapy, 99.999% of the world's population, except for the people who live in Africa, maybe, and, um, you know, developing parts of the world, they eat, like, the Gerson therapy because they don't have access to refined food products. But in your case, was this the first time you'd ever eaten like this? Yeah, I mean, I had done, I was queen of um, doing cleanses and those sorts of things, which I think are too aggressive on, on the body. So I was always, you know, grasping for something, but this just made so much more sense. And what made it really approachable for me, again, was your concept around the fact that you can eat as much as you want, as long as you're eating these whole unprocessed, unrefined foods, because I do love food and I do love to eat. Um, so, and, and going on restrictive diets just doesn't, work. I mean, time and time again, you can see that doesn't work for people. So for me, I was excited because yes, the food was different, but I knew that I could eat in abundance. And also it, it allowed me to look at different things that I kind of had feared before, because, you know, you look at things like potatoes and you think that you can't have potatoes and, and those aren't healthy. Um, but on the Gerson therapy, uh, you are prescribed to eat potatoes every single day, which are absolutely delicious. So um, I was already kind of cooking you know, outside of the box, and I had already started to move towards a more plant-based diet, but this definitely um, got me thinking about making food in a different way, and what made a lot of sense to me was bringing things back to thinking as though my digestive system was like that of a baby, um, and, you know, making things long and low, easy to digest, and it was definitely a change of pace. I got my first juicer. I started juicing, and I do remember having my first uh, juices, because I always thought juicing was ridiculous. Like, why would you 
you allow all that fiber to to not be consumed it doesn't make any sense but when when it was explained to me like the juices are an ivy of nutrients for the body uh, especially when your digestive system is compromised and it allows you to absorb all of that then I knew I was getting the, the nutrition that I needed and I could feel it when I consume them you know you you can feel the energy just going into your body so yeah it was a big shift and and I won't say that it's easy at all because it's not and that was the beginning of of me changing my diet and and it was also the beginning of me changing um you know my social life around things because you know I always used to love going out for dinner and eating those those heavy foods and having alcohol to go along with the food that was one of my favorite things to do and then when you start living your life in a different way it it changes things hugely and it changes the way that you socialize with people so it really has been a journey um, of finding new ways to, to connect with people and different things to do and, and you find that maybe you hang out with certain friends less um, and and you want people who are going to support you on your journey because it does sound strange you know when you start moving away from eating a certain way and a lot of people I know are really attached to to meat and they have a hard time potentially understanding why I would want to to change my diet so it was it was a big shift it was the food and then the socializing um, and and being in your course really inspired me to uh, think more of myself and and realize that we only have one life to to live and I want to make it a big beautiful life and it really inspired me to you know yes start healing with the food but then heal the other aspects of my life that I knew that needed healing in regards to my my self-love um, and uh, those sorts of things and one of the books that you had prescribed during our time together was Mind Over Medicine by Dr. Lisa Rankin um, and that was again it was just kind of time after time all of these recommendations that were constant epiphanies that got me um, thinking and wanting to, to change and move forward and, and do different things. Um, yeah I love Dr. Lisa Lisa Rankin, I guess it's Lissa, L-I-S-S-A, yeah. if you want to look it up, anybody, R-A-N-K-I-N, Mind Over Medicine, and, you know, she's an incredible doctor, gynecologist, medical doctor, who found that when her patients wrote their own prescription for their own health and did the, what they needed to do either on a psychological, emotional, spiritual, and physical level, they actually would heal themselves of whatever disease they were presented with. So, you know, she realized that the medications we she was prescribing more often than not, her patients wouldn't even take them and they would actually heal. So read Dr. Lisa Rankin's uh, book, sign up for her workshops. Uh, she teaches physicians as well how to put the health back into healthcare. So I love that you brought that up as well. I want to get uh, her on her pod on our podcast as well. So I'm going to task you with that, Andrea, since you're now working for that us. That would be amazing. <laughs> so, um, I mean, definitely when you decide to put the oxygen mask on yourself first and change your lifestyle, it definitely means you're going to have to get rid of some of those friends that are the naysayers, you know, and we all have them. Like they're the people who tend to, you know, come up to you at a party and be like, come on, just have one drink, what's the problem? Or, you know, have the steak, like you only live once. And, you know, but that's the thing, you only live one beautiful life, as you said, and we wanna live it the best that we can. And who wants to be in pain? You, so many people are now with all the modern medicine that we have, they're living long, well, they're actually living short, but dying long. So, you know, they hit 30 years old and all of a sudden that's when the chronic diseases set in. And then for the next 60 years of their life, all they're doing is medicating, 
going through surgery, being in chronic pain, living on antidepressants, um, and then they spend the next, you know, 40, 50 years of their life if they're lucky to live that long, but they're also dying short. And one of the things that we were just chatting about before the podcast um, was, you know, you were talking about your husband, you know, and you're going to go watch, is it Fat Sick and Nearly Dead? Yep. Yep, with him. Um, which is exciting because mm-hmm. I know it's been a challenge, mm-hmm. you know, getting your husband on board. I think he's slowly mm-hmm. making changes, mm-hmm. which is a common theme when one person in the family wants to change their lifestyle, especially their diet, because we're talking about three meals a day, plus all the snacks and grocery shopping. And how do you cook for one person and, you know, or, or the family when four out of five people don't want to eat that way, but you need to do it for your health. So tell us about how that's been with your husband, like when you first started getting into this and... He has been incredibly supportive of all of the things that I have embarked on over, um, it's been uh, over a year and a half now because I did your program and then I started studying to be a health coach and then I left for a month to India to do my yoga teacher training and then I took another program with the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. So it has been busy and I have really been prioritizing my health and um, you know what's going to make me happy so he's been lovely and he's been supportive and I'm really thankful for all of that and it is tricky on the other hand because yes I would love for him to just jump in with both feet and and want to live this way of life with me and eat the certain way and drink less and um, all of these things but everyone has to come to these things in their own time is what I recognize is that me being pushy or saying you should do this or you should do that it's not gonna it's not gonna get me where I want to go and it's just gonna create more of a gap between my husband and I instead of bringing us together so so how do you manage that at home how how have you been doing that well I don't think I've been doing it very well (laughs) so it's only just been lately that I almost feel like I need to take a step back and maybe just plant seeds and you know okay let's just watch the movie um and and see how he feels about it and then let that sit with him instead of me always being the one to say you should do this or you should do that because then that's just annoying and in reality yeah when we make food he makes one thing and I make another thing oh so you do cook two different meals okay and does he ever try to eat the food you make he does yep he'll always try it and and it's rare that I'll get a raving review so which is hard because I think something's delicious and then he has it. And then when he doesn't like it, then it I lose inspiration of wanting to try because I right. know. And, and his palate's in a different place as well um, because he has some of his own health issues. So he definitely has more salt and processed food in his diet. So he... Um, he needs things to taste a certain way and have certain flavor profile. Um, and also a lot of the food that I make, it is uh, kind of a one pot meal. I, I love food like that. I love stews and curries and soups and that's not necessarily his thing. You know, he's a meat and potatoes guy. So um, yeah, I think I need to keep trying. I need to not give up. I need to not say, oh, he's not interested. So I'm not even going to do it. I think I do need to, to try harder. So, you know, and prioritize his health along with mine and help him more. So, um, you know, I've talked about doing it before, but I haven't been following through with it. So maybe I need to get up in the morning and I'll make my smoothie. Mine is very green, uh, but then make another one for him. So, so he has something nourishing to start his day with and, yeah, make make more so then he has more to to consume, like, and he'll have that along with, you know, some meat or, or something. So I think I need to, to try harder uh, to make things that he will have, but then maybe he needs to meet me in the middle as well. So it's a journey. It's a process. It's not easy. Um, yeah, that's yeah. where it's at right now. Yeah, it is definitely challenging. And what I find too, and I mean, I've 
chatted with medical doctors who know the science around food and nutrition and their partners absolutely who are not medical doctors who aren't researchers who aren't scientists will be like no I don't believe it and that's really comes back to confirmation bias it's where you truly want to believe that something is true and I've been I mean everybody suffers from confirmation bias and you know in a prime example with me was um, before I switched to no oil I would defend oil and I would find every study to prove that refined process oil was still good for us and I would refuse to look at the literature. And it wasn't that I would even refuse to. I would just actually not even see it. It would pass by me. And I would justify the reasons why, you know, olive oil is so good for us and why avocado oil and coconut oil and all of those things. But once I was willing to open myself up to it and say, okay, let's, you know, take a look at it. And then I started to see the research. And then I started to hear it more and more and more and be like, oh, shit, the information has always been there showing us that the refined oils actually are not healthy for us. They do not promote health. They take away from health. And so we all suffer from confirmation bias and people have to be quite aware of that. And it does take time. And what I love about confirmation bias is you almost go through the same elements as grieving is where, you know, you believe something and you advocate for something so much, but then once you lose your grasp on that and you start to switch over and you start to look at the other research, you grieve the loss of that knowledge. But then all of a sudden you come out on the other side where you actually will defend the new knowledge so vigorously. It's like you never even believed the previous knowledge. And so then you start advocating for that. And so it's an interesting thing that our our human brains and bodies will go through as we make that transition of learning. But I applaud you for um, definitely being so open and willing to try, which is amazing because I know it is a struggle for a lot in a lot of relationships, like whether it's between parents and kids or, you know, partners um, that have to both be in the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. And you're trying to please everybody. Um, but the one thing we were talking about before is that uh, Dr. John Stephen Piper out of the University of Toronto uh, just presented some new research. I mean, he does research for the refined food industry companies like Coca-Cola and Pepsi and all of those. But he also does research on nutrition out of the University of Toronto. And he showed that the three leading causes of morbidity, so increased morbidity, so that means a shortened lifespan, were red meat, closely followed by chicken and fish now. Um, but the second was dairy consumption and the third was refined sugar consumption. So you include those in your diet, you are knocking off not just days off of your life, but years off of your life. Um, and is your husband, does he like the science or is he? He would be, yeah, he would be more um, in tune with the science and that would have him make change. But I, I, you're so good at presenting science to people and people will then convert their ways because of the way that you explain no, it to them. And honestly, I presented the science to so many people who are like, nope, don't believe it. And again, that's a confirmation bias kicking in. So, you know, I love what you said about planting seeds. It truly is about, you know, you just plant a seed today and see what grows tomorrow. And so you're planting that seed into people's consciousness around food, into their mindset, you know, around food. So it is really just a process. And I think it also, because it's been a journey for me too, and I'm not always perfect. You know, I went through a period of time where I was like, I was doing so well and I was embodying all of the things that I believed and really eating, you know, super clean. And I felt amazing. I'd never had that kind of energy in my life. I felt like my brain had woken up for the first time after being mm -hmm. asleep for so long. Uh, and I was working on, you know, changing the neural pathways and changing the way that I think. And just this, it felt incredible and totally different. And I'd never been there before. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. 
Uh, and then, you know, uh, to be honest, what has happened over the winter, you know, some stress and long, cold winter. And then, you know, you do want to socialize with people. And so then you can allow things to start sneaking back in like, oh, well, I'm just going to go and have a beer here or, oh, you know, I hardly have this thing. So I'll just have that. And then all of a sudden these habits are, are creeping back in and you can, I can absolutely feel it when that happens. It does start to then impact my sleep and impact my gut and all of these things. So the reality is that we can know exactly what we need to do. And I do know exactly what I need to do to feel my best, but it is a constant, you know, dedication and practice to, to continue to, to do things day in and day out. So um, I feel like almost for my husband to jump on board, he needs to see me fully embodying my beliefs day in and day out because he's going to be less inclined to jump on board if I'm saying one thing and preaching one thing and then doing another. Um, so yeah, that kind of, if I want to see him change, then I need to ensure that I'm, I'm doing what I say is important as well. Yeah, and and it's tough in this world because for the last hundred years, it's been or la- at least the last the last eighty, we are inundated by food marketers all around us. We're inundated. We've created a society that thrives and thrives not in the healthy way, but literally they feel like this is amazing. There's you know even with all the food marketing around like organic and vegan. I mean a lot of the food products, if it has a label or comes in a box or a package, is still a refined product you're still getting those intense hits of refined sugar refined oil refined salt and that flares up our brain it's the dopamine serotonin hit all the time and so our society is based on that it's based Mm -hmm. on an unhealthy lifestyle like I even think about you know there's a local cancer group and what do they serve at their fundraisers it's like baked goods made with refined processed sugar and flour and all the unhealthy stuff and unhealthy food and you know, why do we do that? Why do we celebrate kids' events with hot dogs and, uh, you know, sugary ketchup and sugary condiments and white bread, like no and nutrient. Birthday cake. And exactly. Goodie bags of candy. I know we're not set up for success. And then if you yeah. want to move outside of that, then you're not part of the norm. And then it feels like you're bringing down the party. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And it's and it sucks to be in that place because I'm in that place all the time. Like mm-hmm. this Christmas, I wouldn't participate in one of the extracurricular activity um, Santa exchanges because I was like, it's just garbage that people are buying for mm-hmm. themselves. They don't even know the people that they're giving it to. You know, we have 40 kids in the club that they all go and buy presents for each other. And, you know, they're dollar store crap items that just end up in the land. Phil and I finally told my kids this year I'm like I'm not doing it I will not contribute to that like if you want to give out gift cards to the green mustache you can do that if you want to bake you know something that comes from Whole Foods and we're using I mean it's going to be expensive dates and you know you know nuts and seeds and you know you can grind the oats into flour and make them something but it's definitely like the kids won't want to receive that if the next kid is getting you know a gold sparkly pillow made out of plastic and and other junk um, that's treated with you know fire your retardant like there's no way so it sucked this Christmas like it sucked for my kids it sucked for me I was the curmudgeon Scrooge who said I won't contribute to that and I find holidays are the hardest they time are yeah. the hardest because you're not you're not eating the way you used to eat and and it offends people even my mom at Christmas time you know she has her shortbread cookies but I don't want to eat those shortbread cookies anymore and you know just have one come on and, and they take it personally that you're not having it but it's you know it has nothing to do with them it just has to do with knowing what feels right in your body Uh, but it does make it more challenging because you you do constantly have to be saying no or you know being really dedicated it's having conviction it's where you finally arrive at that place where you are worth it 
you know, you're saying I'm worth it. I am only going to treat my body with the best of the best of the best. And we see people who do that. Uh, there was one woman in my PhD program and, you know, some, one other student was offering her these very oily, sugary baked goods and you know she said but I made it from scratch and she was like no thank you and she's like come on just have one you know you're not overweight you can eat this like she probably tried 10 different things and I looked at you know the student being offered it and she was like why do you have to force that on me Mm -hmm. I only eat clean healthy food so why would you want to feed me that and you know and, and everyone in the class just stopped right? Like my heart was in my throat. I was, you go through that feeling of like, you don't know if you're embarrassed or you don't, but, but then you're like, why am I embarrassed? Like this person is actually just standing up for herself. Not unlike somebody would have stood up for, you know, slave trading, right? And somebody would have stood up for, you know, fracking um, and the oil pipeline, but we're still so early in the game when it comes to food that I think it's really hard for people to stand up for themselves and Absolutely. their body. Yeah. It's a tough one. With alcohol for me, because everyone knows me as, you know, having a good time. Like I can start a party. I can have a really good time. Uh, give me a few drinks and everyone knows me that way. So when I started showing up to events and not drinking, it was so hard for me at first to go somewhere and not have a drink in hand. Um, so I would always have kombucha. I would always offer to be the designated driver. Those things were really helpful. Um, but people would still say things like, oh, when's the fun Andrew you're going to come back and these sorts of things which are hurtful but I mean yeah sure I'm more fun when I've had drinks absolutely who isn't um but you just wish that people would be more supportive um and a lot of them are uh, but sometimes maybe people don't realize that those comments are hurtful and yeah I mean it's just because we live in a world that yeah celebration involves eating and drinking in excess and that's unfortunate because that's leading to poor health and we see that everywhere and when you're part of the minority that's wanting to change it it does make it tricky for sure yeah and you know it's interesting because you hear so many people who do say well you only live once let's have fun but I can tell you this from seeing so many people who get diagnosed with cancer chronic disease of all types when they've hit that rock bottom, that's when they don't care about funendria. They don't care about, you know, being the life of the party. Really, all they care about is living and surviving. And every single person, you know, we see the stats. One in two people get diagnosed with cancer. One in four are living with a chronic disease. Um, People are getting their organs pulled out of them, left, right, and center. The pain is horrific that they have to live with. The drugs are awful because there's not really anyone I know that has a chronic disease that also doesn't have depression. And that is not um, fun to live with Mm -hmm. at all by any means. But so those same people who are, you know, saying like, where's fun, Andrea? Unfortunately, we see that happen all too often when they do hit that place. And so I think people need to be, I don't know, and maybe that's just the natural cycle of humans. You know, we are ridiculous. We're not like the wild horse who just day in and day out for its entire life will eat grains and plants and, mm-hmm. you know, feed off the fields. And, you know, they're not out there being like, where's the fun Mustang who's drinking and eating burgers? Like the animals don't do that. And we, at the end of the day, are just an animal. Mm-hmm. But we're an animal with this ability to self-sabotage. Yeah. Oh, self-sabotage. Oh, it's a real... <laughs> It's a real struggle for sure. It is a real struggle. Um, So 
how did you feel when you started? Let's go back to that because I think the audience would love to know, like, did you feel different? Were you sleeping better? What happened with your gut? What happened with your poops? Like, let's talk about that. Yeah. So I was pretty, um, as soon as I started learning all of this, um, I just knew I was like, okay, I really, I was super focused. I was very choosy um, about what I was putting in my body. I was really diligent and it didn't happen overnight. This is the reality is that I think people want this magic fix of, oh, I'm going to feel amazing, you know, right away. Isn't there just something I can take? But in reality, that's not how it works. So um, these things too do take time and dedication. And it was probably about, um, you know, six months after I began that that's when I really started reaching like my peak of energy and feeling absolutely amazing. Uh, right away, I did start to uh, experience, you know, when I changed my diet, I started sleeping better almost right away, uh, removing all of that sugar, especially removing caffeine. Um, you know, my digestive system wasn't compromised how it was before, so I could sleep better at night. Um, so yeah, the sleep, um, the, the brain fog started to lift, which was amazing. Uh, the anxiety and depression started to lift. Um, and, and then once you remove things like sugar and salt from your diet, when you have it, because I remember it was a few months in uh, and then I ended up having, because every day, it was like an everyday balance, uh, battle to want to go to purebred. And after and I just started, if anybody doesn't know what purebred is, um, you know, so you can think of this as a plug for purebred. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a beautiful bake shop that makes like some of the most stunning baked goods in the world. Yeah. Um, and so it was a battle every day because that was the sort of sugar that I was craving. And those are just mad calorie bombs that you should not be having daily. And then, you know, after I began the program, I ended up having a piece of something from purebred. It was in the office and I tasted it and it was so sickly sweet. My body just didn't want it because my palate had started to, to change. Um, so things did happen over um, kind of a course of, of time. Things slowly began to improve. My gas health began to improve. Also, I, um, you know, I worked in an office where, you know, there's lots of people, so I'd frequently get sick. Uh, and as I started to improve my gut health, that meant my immune system was improving. So I stopped getting sick all the time. And yeah, my, my energy recuperated. I felt amazing. I was sleeping great. It was fantastic. I felt, um, I felt absolutely amazing. And I didn't know that that was possible and then yeah over this winter that's when I started kind of falling off track again but uh, in being here in this new job and then being surrounded by these conversations all the time it's a good reminder of how I do want to live my life and uh, how important it is of the things that I put in my body day in and day out and that I don't want to compromise um, my values for you know a night out you know every now and again for sure but as long as it's not turning into a regular all the time. Yeah. And I remember you telling me about when you started making these changes at, and of course you'd bring your food to work and the people in the lunchroom were like, what is that? Like, I remember the stress that I, like you were telling me how stressful that was. Like, and you called me saying like, what do I say to these people? So how, like, just tell people what they can expect to encounter when they make these changes and how did you end up handling it in the end. Do you remember that time? Yeah, because I mean, even it was just simple things. It was like, okay, well, I'm, I, I have soup for breakfast most mornings or curry or, um, you know, salad. And, and those are kind of strange things to potentially to be having for breakfast when we associate breakfast with, you know, a muffin or something like that. Um, and I think at that time too, um, this was before my trip to, to India, which really helped me um, build my self-confidence and self-love. So I think, um, you know, 
part of the battle was me overthinking things and thinking that people might, you know, consider what I was eating was strange or uh, a lot of that just had to do with my own mental self-talk because probably at the end of the day, no one really cares. But I, I felt like it was such a change that I cared um, as opposed to just letting all of that go. Um, and I think that just comes down to finding ways in which we can build our own self-confidence so then we can fully, you know, embody what we're doing and know that it's the right thing for us. And if anyone questions it, we, they can question it fine, but I'm just going to let that roll off my back. Whereas um, in the beginning, it was a struggle just because I didn't have the the confidence to fully, I don't know, own it, I guess. Yeah. Confidence is a huge part. And that's the biggest part in working with any client, you know, that wants to overcome anything. So it could be exercise, like they want to get to the gym or they want to train for a marathon or they, or even a 5k or they want to apply, you know, for an application to go to school or apply for a job. I mean, it all comes down at the end of the day, like there's the process you would go through, like pick up the pen, fill out the blanks on the application and submit it. But we know that with anything we do, you know, changing your lifestyle in any way, um, it all comes back to the psychology of it. So it is the mindset. It's the self-talk. Nobody else is really gives a shit that you're doing any of this, but we are second-guessing ourselves all the time. And, you know, we're like, okay, well, we could take the easy route and just not apply or not make the soup or the salad or whatever for lunch with the baked potato. Um, It would just be so much easier to go to the store. But we have to pump ourselves up right, to take these actions day in and day out, especially when you're going against the norm. You know, because just like a job, like it's so much easier to stay in a job that you hate than it is to actually go through the process of putting yourself out there to apply for a job that you love and potentially face rejection. Mm -hmm. So facing rejection, even around changing your diet, it's like, well, is it gonna work? I don't know if it's gonna work, so I might as well not do it and even try Mm -hmm. because the rejection of it not working is probably worse than, you know, the feeling of, you know, just not doing it. And most people can actually get accustomed to their pain and live comfortably in it, Mm -hmm. you know, much easier than than it is to put yourself out there. But I have to commend you for putting yourself out there. Like that really takes courage, which is why, you know, according to our companies, you are a healing hero. You are someone who put yourself through the emotional, mental, physical, spiritual turmoil to get those results. And it's not easy to do that. Mm -hmm. And so for people who are listening, um, know that that's just going to be part of it. That's part of the worst for wear when you are going to go against the norm and try something different. But the results are incredible. And I often talk about this one client that I had 11 years ago who was suicidal, cervical cancer, uh, depression, panic attacks, and oh gosh, there's probably a host of other things. I can't even remember them all. And every six months I bump into her like doing our composting at the composting station or, you know, at an event and she's like, Nikki, oh my God, I have so much energy. I never thought six months ago that my energy could increase even more, but I have even more. And I'm always like, I want to punch her in the face because she does the work day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And so she's getting those results. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, I mean, I definitely forget to eat. I am not doing the liver detox as often as I want to be and need to be. Um, I tend to push it, you know, on the work hours and maybe going to bed late and um, thinking that, like, I deserve to watch a movie starting at 1030 at night because I work so hard today. Like all of those things that we do day in and day out, 
Um, so she's getting the results that I could easily be getting day in and day out as well. It's, it's really embodying all of the practices and something for me that um, became important after spending my time in India was developing a meditation practice, which is still tricky because sometimes I feel I feel guilty when I'm trying to do a meditation practice because maybe it's um, 10, 10 minutes um, and I feel like I should be spending that time maybe getting physical exercise, you know, like there's this weird feeling that I have around giving my mind that time to rest when I feel like I should potentially be doing something else. But in reality, I think one of the most important things for me uh, to stay healthy in mind and body is to give myself that meditation practice to just quiet my mind for a period of time Uh, but it's probably one of the most difficult things to incorporate because we are so busy and we always feel like we should be doing something else Um, so yeah it's it's finding the practice that works for you and and trying different things and yeah embodying them day in and day out yeah and what does that meditation practice look like for you when you say 10 minutes I mean like 10 minutes is doable for anybody on any given day so how do you do a 10 minute meditation practice share with people what that could look like yeah, so for me, what I have started to do, because I tried, I've tried a few different things. Um, one way that you can do it is if you have your mat and everything just set up, you roll out of bed in the morning, uh, you head right downstairs and you head right into your meditation practice before you have really had a chance for your mind to wake up and get thinking before you've checked your emails, before you've done anything else. That can be a really good way to build it into your day. Uh, and what I've been doing recently since the weather has been nicer is I'll get my dog out on a walk and at the top of our walk usually we go up this you know part of the mountain and then there's a beautiful clearing and a little rock that we sit on and then I'll put in my headphones and I'll do a guided meditation sitting there in the fresh air in nature I know that no one is ever in that area so I find that is a nice way because I know Mm -hmm. that I've already like my dog is on the walk I'm not thinking about the things that I need to do I'm in fresh air I'm in nature I find it easier to do when you're in uh, nature as opposed to sitting in the house and thinking about all the things around you that maybe you should be doing so I found that that is working quite well at the moment and who what's in guided meditation who's leading that um, I use insight timer it's an app that I have on my phone and there's a particular woman I like to listen to she was recommended by a friend her name is Sarah Blondin uh, and she has different meditations that you can listen to also um, I have lots of different chants that I enjoy so I, I might just listen to those so um, you know I kind of just adapt every day based on how I'm feeling Awesome. So it doesn't have to be one thing day in and day out. I mean, you can find, and that's a beautiful thing with meditation. You can experiment with so many different types, whether it's lighting a candle and just staring at the candle. It could be box breath. It could be, you know, uh, you know, any other type of uh, pranayama from yoga. So different type of breath exercise. It could be gratitude meditation so you just go through a list of all the things that you're grateful for Mm -hmm. and you do that for five minutes three minutes ten minutes whatever it is that you want but the biggest thing is just showing up and just starting something Mm -hmm. so many great apps there's headspace there's um i can't even there's calm there's so many and there's a lot of easy ways to to build that in 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 especially with the gratitude as well so usually i'll i'll do the meditation and then i'll just say count on my fingers 10 different things and i'll say them out loud the 10 things that i'm grateful for 
Um, so it's small, it's not huge, but at least it's just, you know, I was really accustomed to being that person where I was in a downward spiral and I could really have myself going down pretty fast and I was um, pretty consistently negative. Uh, and I realized that I do have control over my thoughts and, you know, how you think is how you feel and uh, in putting those those small efforts towards, okay, a brief meditation, saying what I, you know, you know do have gratitude for and just putting the effort, it doesn't have to be a lot of time but then at least you're you know you're changing your your brain pattern every day that you do that instead of waking up and checking your email and getting stressed out right away or thinking about all these negative things um, it is all within our control it's just whether or not we want to put the effort out into controlling it yeah and that's the biggest part I love the you know how you think is how you feel and then also how you think is how you feel is how you act Mm -hmm. so if you're starting off from that place of negativity and you're never going to take action from that negative space positive action from negative space it really needs to start from um, a, a mindfulness um and it's and it's hard to do because it is a practice and you definitely need to practice it day in and day out until you start to see the results. But once you get the results, that becomes the motivation, right? To keep Mm -hmm. going. And so if that simple formula can change your entire world, Mm -hmm. would you say? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think, I think I, you know, the way that I used to feel, I think a lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of people are not living life to the fullest. I think a lot of people feel um, mundane, may, you know, they're not feeling super happy. Um, they're not feeling energetic. They're not feeling well. I think that a lot of the population feels that way. Um, but I think we can all change and we can all live a healthier and happier life. Uh, but it just does take some searching uh, within and, and time and dedication. But Um, I mean, all of the tools are out there and why wouldn't you want to change? Why wouldn't you want to live, you know, a bigger, better life? I knew that I was not happy to the point where I remember walking across um, the bridge to Chequemus one night after having too many drinks before I began on this journey and wondering if the bridge was high enough, if I could jump off, if that would allow me to end it. And that's a terrible thought, but I guarantee you there's a lot of people that have those thoughts that cross their mind. Um, and that's horrifying. And, you know, I just think that, yeah, we can, we can all do better. And, and these are difficult conversations, but maybe if we're having more difficult conversations, because for me, for the longest time, I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only person that felt this way. I thought I was the only person that was struggling. And it wasn't until I started listening to podcasts, uh, which with a lot of different people that I started to realize that so many people struggle. There's a whole, you know, there's thousands and millions of people that are struggling. When you realize you're not alone, that's really helpful. Um, so yeah, even just being more open in the conversations that we have, you know, we have a lot of surface level conversations with people oftentimes. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Are you really great? Like what's really going on? You know, not that you want to, um, have negative conversations, but just being more real. Cause then, you know, it'll allow other people to open up and even putting this podcast out here, you know, it's vulnerable to say the ways that you felt and um, the things that you did and how you treated your body. Like you don't really want to share that with the world, but if somebody listening can, um, you know, uh, understand or relate to where I'm coming from and think that they can make change too, then uh, I'm more than prepared to be vulnerable. So other people can listen and hopefully other people can make change to live a happier and healthier life. Yeah, and that's what I love about you being on this podcast and being willing to share your story because so many people can relate to what you have gone through. 
and what you have felt and those experiences of wondering if the bridge is high enough. Um, I've been there before where just driving down the highway and we had another uh, podcast guest, uh, Bonnie Coberly, who was literally so depressed and overwhelmed by life um, as well as not having proper nutrition and all of those things. You'll get to hear her podcast, but you know where she had that exact experience too, like wondering what it would be like to just drive her car off the road. Um, And I've had many clients that have actually done that um, and they live to tell about it, which is amazing and to share their story as well. But it's by sharing these stories and being really vocal about it and letting other people know that they've also had similar experiences. A lot of these doctors don't get that feedback Mm -hmm. that they prescribe the medications for depression and anxiety and panic attacks. and, And then the person goes on their way perhaps they move town go see somebody else the next doctor prescribes them with something else to see if it's going to work better and it's just this pattern where people are feeling exactly this way but never getting the help that they need and um and we wander around we can dress ourselves up in pretty clothes but underneath all those pretty clothes and you know the fun andrea the party andrea or the party person you know there's this going on so the next time you know you you encounter this is for our, our listeners right now The next time you encounter a friend or a family member that's like, you know, I need to change my life. I want to change my diet. I want to experiment to see if like, you know, I can feel better. It's not just feeling better on a surface level. That person actually could be in exactly that same state where, you know, day in and day out, they're looking at that road and wondering what it would be like to drive their car off or to jump off that bridge. And more often than not, that person's had that experience. And I've talked about this before. Um... Um, because my ex-husband took his life last summer and I remember asking my brothers and my dad and saying, you know, have you ever thought about doing that? And they all said yes. And I was so shocked because these are my family members and you're so right that we do not ask people how they are truly doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a hard conversation to ask. And in most cases, we don't want to hear that the person's not doing well because mm-hmm. we don't know how to help them. Right. Which I imagine is probably the case for anybody who listens to this. Like, I bet you, you have lots of friends and community members who might hear this and be like, holy shit, I had no idea that fun Andrea ever had a thought like that. (laughs) Right. Right. But she wasn't having so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, and the people who did say like, why are you doing that? Like, why don't you just live it up? Mm -hmm. You only have one life. Like Mm -hmm. chances are they're going to remember having said those comments to you. And so it's really important for people to understand that. So, what did you do when you had that thought? Like, did you, did that spiral you even further down? Did you? No, because I was just, I was kind of just in a bit of a dark place then. And then it was shortly thereafter that, um, you know, that I was on that trip to Vegas. And then, um, yeah, and then that's when things changed. So there was a kind of a bunch of things that led up to mm-hmm. um, knowing that I needed to, to change. Um, and then, yeah, and then making the change. Yeah, that's amazing. And nobody else, you know, did you have people ever before that coming up to you and being like, hey, Andrea, you need to change your diet. You need to do this. You need to do that. Or No, because I was just. You I were just, fun, Andrea. Well, and I was just, you know, just eating how, you know, you think most other people um, eat. But it was also behind closed doors. Like food was my comfort coping mechanism. Uh, so when people weren't, like, you know, looking, then it would be like, oh, I'm going to eat this whole bag of cookies because that's going to help me heal the things that I haven't actually healed within myself. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when we have, um, 
you know, mental health issues and things deeper within us that we haven't healed. That's when we are, you know, grabbing for some sort of substance, whether that be alcohol or weed or food or whatever other, you know, addictions people have over exercising in this community too. You know, that's an addiction on some level as well, because people just don't want to necessarily be alone with themselves and be alone with their thoughts and, um, and deal with certain things. So, you know, um, in starting your, your program where, you know, the nutrition was the number one piece and then that inspired me to you know my husband and I went to counseling following that and then I went to my own counseling following that and then you know my healing journey in India learning about myself and um, you know there was many different things and a lot of different modalities that I approached and you know trying acupuncture and getting massage and you know I'm fortunate to you know have the ability um, to to do those things but I just I decided to jump in to you know any sort of um, you know course or information or anything that would help me to to heal and be the best version of myself yeah that's amazing and giving yourself those you know every day a little bit of something you know we talk about self-care all the time in the entrepreneurial world and you know it's funny because I get comments from people who say well I don't have extended medical so therefore I can't go get a massage and acupuncture it's too expensive and for a lot of people it truly is mm -hmm. you know even you know thinking about eating right the first thing they say is well I can't afford to eat healthy well, but you're not going out there and buying the, you know, $7 of like, you know, organic vegan crackers or the organic vegan cheese. Like that's not what eating healthy is. Like you literally can go grab an apple and a head of broccoli and a cabbage and, um, you know, a bag of potatoes and a bag of carrots and start with that. And if you just ate those like five or six ingredients that I just me mentioned, you know, it's, there's nothing cheaper. It doesn't get cheaper than that. Um, as long as you can access it. There's so many people who live in communities where the only place they get to eat from are gas stations. But, you know, you can start from there. But when it comes to the self-care, like Andrea is talking about, um, an example is, you know, you can grab a tennis ball. Anybody can find a free tennis ball in the woods, literally, that's been lost. And you can use a tennis ball every single day and roll on it. Roll your calf on it, roll the back of your neck on it, your spine, your muscles, and you can start to give yourself some self-massage. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to the expensive spa and get the massage and, and treat yourself to hours of, you know, expensive therapy. You can do it yourself. You know, sitting on a, it doesn't even have to be a yoga mat if you can't afford a yoga mat literally sit on the rock in the woods um it's free for you to use and just give yourself 10 minutes to breathe and there's so many free programs online that you can do free exercise videos free yoga videos i mean yeah, yeah it's, it's at your fingertips it's just it's building it into your day and you really have to build it into your day i get up at um, about 6 a.m every morning i've always been a morning person i think it's the best time of the day and yeah i give myself you know two hours to do my practice to do my meditation uh, to take my dog out for a run or a walk in nature to make a healthy breakfast um yeah yeah. And if you're a night person, so I tend to be more of a night person. I love it, but I am switching. I'm slowly, like for the last few weeks, um, I've been going to bed at 9, 9.30 at night and really trying to get up early uh, to join the 5 a.m. club. But so far, I haven't been able to do the 5 a.m., but I am up by 6 now, which is amazing. Um, I don't roll out of bed until 7, but I actually start planning my day in my head and visualizing like the outcomes I want to have and start um, you know, doing my breathing in bed. And so I'm not actually rolling out of bed until seven. And usually that's when my kids are pulling me out of bed. And, you know, but it's it's a process and it takes time. But before that, 
I would meditate at 11 o'clock at night. I would go do a coffee enema at 11 o'clock at night. It didn't keep me up. It actually allowed me to sleep really well. Um, I would, you know, plan out my next day, like the meals and everything. So if you're not doing it at 6 a.m. and if you can't figure out how to get out of bed and do that right now, then do it halfway throughout the day or do it at the end of the day. It doesn't matter. It just means that you do it at yeah, some building point. Building in the time. Yeah. Yeah. You got to build in the time to do that. Um, and everything takes work at the end of the day, would you say? Yeah, definitely. It's not easy. No. <laughs> it's way easier to just, you know, go with the flow and eat all the other crap that's out there and it's easy and accessible. And it's, um, yeah, it's much easier to just do what the rest of society is doing. I'd say it's a lot harder to, to live this way, but uh, it's, for me, uh, it's more fulfilling and I feel better. So that's the way I want to, to live life. And yeah, um, maybe maybe I'm different because sometimes I see people who, you know, they, they can wake up in the morning and they have their coffee and they eat whatever they eat on the go and, you know, they have their drinks at night and they eat lots of meat and they eat lots of dairy and sugar and, and they seem to sleep and they seem to be just fine. Uh, so maybe there is a different type of person out there that their body is just capable of handling it. Uh, I think maybe I have a sensitive constitution and I'm just not able to do that and that's okay. Yeah, and... I would have to challenge you on that. Just being the person who's been doing this for, you know, well over a decade now and having so many clients who look healthy, right? They come in, but they're seeing me because they've been diagnosed with a chronic disease. And, you know, there's, I was thinking about our family and the fact that, you know, knock on wood, we have been predominantly healthy like none of us are suffering from a chronic disease that we know of we don't take medications we don't go to the doctors but um, rarely we get the occasional cold you know and you know that's the way it's been but it's not to say that you know cancer didn't start growing in me 10 years ago and it's going to show up in another five years or something um especially because my life is pretty like full-on there's lots of physical and mental stress. You're a busy um, woman. <laughs> I'm a busy woman, and I definitely know I need to change that and slow my body down um, and and just treat it a little bit better. But there's not a lot of families that I know that aren't on medications. And they do come across as being the family that can eat and drink and have the meat and have the chips and have the you know crappy food. But... I have a lot of insight into people's families in the Whistler area and Sea to Sky area and globally. And there's not a lot of people that I know that can live that lifestyle. And the science shows it. Right. Right? Yeah. The science shows it by the amount of medications that are being prescribed every single year in North America, the amount of antidepressants that are now given out like candy. Like, I'm surprised antidepressants are not in vending machines. Yeah. Um, the amount of suicides. Like, we just lost another guy in Pemberton last week, mm-hmm. a young guy who I would see him all the time at the store, so lovely, super funny. And I'm like, of course, you know, when I was like, hey, how's it going? He would be like, yeah, it's good, and took his own life, right? So I think that we have to stop assuming yeah. that people have that. Well, and also I think, I think people don't realize how good they can feel because you get really accustomed to just feeling a certain way and you just think that's the norm uh, until you – up level and realize that you can feel much better yeah or that you can have an amazing poo that's (laughs) another thing like I laugh about that when my clients like three days in they're like 
oh my God, I just had the best poo of my life. Like it was literally orgasmic. You know, most of the time people are not saying that about their poos. Um, And so people just assume like that because people don't often talk about their poo. Mm -hmm. They often don't talk about their sex life. You know, Mm -hmm. I've had clients come to me when they've changed their lifestyle and their diet and they get their libido back. And they're like, holy crap, I had no idea that my vagina didn't have to be so dry and that sex didn't have to be so painful. But they just assumed it was like that for everybody. Right, yeah. Right? And they're missing out on a whole portion of life that could be healthier and happier. Exactly. Your vagina can be healthier and happier, people. Um, And it applies to men as well. You know, I see people who, you know, couples that are young and, you know, technically should be, you know, very capable of producing babies and they just are infertile now. And they cannot produce babies. And then all of a sudden they change their diet and they do our program and then they have babies, right? But again, it's the, so we can apply it to any health issue, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, people definitely have to experience it mm-hmm. and witness it themselves. And want to. And want to. Um, so let's dive into the yoga teacher training. You talked a little bit about going to India. So first of all, what made you want to go to India? And second of all, what made you want to do your yoga teacher training? Uh, my yoga teacher training had always been something that was on kind of the back of my mind. It was something that I had wanted to do, oh gosh, probably 10 years ago. Um, Did you want to teach yoga? No, it was never to teach, but I just, I knew that, um, the experience I would have, you know, in having a month to really dive deep into yourself, I knew that it would, it would help me to understand myself better. And, uh, it was with Julia McCabe and she's amazing. And I've always loved her classes and I always loved how I felt, um, after them. So I knew that if I put myself into that kind of experience, I mean, what, what could I get from it? It could probably likely be amazing. And, you know, the thing that held me back was the cost because I didn't want to invest that much in myself. But, um, when I did my program with you, that's when I actually ended up registering for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you were just providing this additional inspiration, like, you know, find those things, do those things that are, that are calling you because you do only have one chance to live and sure it's an upfront investment, but I mean, we waste money all the time doing other things. So if you're mindful, you, you can make it work. And I wish that everyone on this planet could have the opportunity to go to a retreat for a month where you're fed Ayurvedic, uh, whole plant-based, vegan, gluten-free food, uh, and meditate and do yoga for four hours a day and have deep discussions, uh, in the middle of the jungle, because that is incredibly soothing and healing on, um, on so many different levels. So I'm really thankful for the experience and and no I didn't go to necessarily become a teacher maybe one day I will but I knew that it was going to help me heal a lot of things within and and it certainly did. Yeah and the way you describe that like you wish that everybody could go out there and be in nature and meditate and eat plant-based whole vegan gluten-free food and I mean you're pretty much describing my grandmother's village in Africa. The people are bending over every day. They're essentially doing yoga with lifting the kids and washing the laundry in the river and, um, you know, out there hoeing the fields and plowing the fields by hand. And, you know, they're stretching, they're exercising, they're carrying gallons of water on their head for two hours. They're meditating like they, you know, you see people just sitting in a field, sitting on a porch and, you know, just staring out into space. But, you know, that's meditation. They're breathing, Mm -hmm. their pulse is low. They are contemplative. They're, you know, I mean, all of those things. Yeah. You're, it's really providing people like that experience of just simplicity and mindfulness and um, health. 
And they're not on their devices. And, and they're not on their <laughs> devices. They didn't have to pay whatever amount of money to go do that yoga teacher training. Mm-hmm. But no, I agree with you. Everybody needs to do that. My daughter did that uh, last year as well. She did it with uh, Julia mm-hmm. as well. And she's 14. Um, and she did her teacher training. And watching her go through that experience, it made me realize every 14-year-old child on this planet needs to have that experience. Yeah, if only I had done it when I was 14 instead me, of when I was 35. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. But the thing is that it all feeds us. It all nourishes us, right? Yeah, we need everybody needs something like that in their life. So find what you love and go do it. So you did your yoga teacher training. So tell us about the coaching program that you did and also um, the culinary course. How did you end up doing that and what were they about? What did you learn? Yeah, so I did my uh, holistic health coach certification through the uh, Nutriforia School of Holistic Nutrition. Um, Is that online? It's online, yeah. So it's all online learning. And then I got this scholarship to do the program with the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. It's Megan Telpner. She has Mm -hmm. some amazing cookbooks. I really like her philosophy around food. Um, And it really forced me to, it really gets you in the kitchen. It gets you cooking a lot. You have culinary assignments to do every single week and photos that you have to take. So uh, it forced me out of my bubble of the things that I was accustomed to cooking. And she gets you using a lot of different ingredients. Uh, And then she has you, you know, similar to your program program but even more enhanced like you write blog posts and uh, at the end of it you end up hosting a culinary nutrition workshop where you have people in the kitchen uh, with all of the recipes and making all of the food so you end up uh, making this big beautiful meal together and discussing the healing properties in the food so it's really connecting uh, the food uh, and and why that food is nutritious and how to cook it. So it's kind of combining everything into to one, which I think for people that can be the biggest challenge is how do I cook this food? I mean, you know, the only place in town that you can get the food is at the Green Mustache. Uh, but for people, you know, to go out and buy it, it's hard to find places to buy it and it's, it's hard to cook it because it's new. And I think a lot of people when they're going plant-based, they just don't know how to do that properly uh, because you can't just give up meat and then not fill that in with something you know you need to make sure that you're you're cooking you know there's tons of different things you can cook and lentils and beans and lots of different dishes you can make so that you never get bored and that you're always satisfied Uh, but it does take um, time and learning so yeah that program was really helpful for me that's awesome we're going to put all the links in the show notes um, when Andrea starts developing the show note pages for our <laughs> podcast, <laughs> poor Andrea, I'm like, she just started a few weeks ago and I'm like, you have 89,000 things to learn and do. That's okay. We're working on changing the world. Yes, we are. We are changing the world one belly at a time. Um, so what are three tips that you have for people who, you know, are looking at making the transition to a plant-based whole foods diet? Three easy tips. Three easy tips. Um, start with some basic recipes. Um, the Oshi Glows cookbooks are really user-friendly. Megan Telpner are quite user-friendly. So just start with some, some basic recipes and build those into your repertoire. Uh, so they become, um, just easy and a go-to for you. So at least you're, you're creating delicious things, things that you'll stick to. Um, don't worry about what other people are going to say to you. Just let go about what other people 
think, I mean, I think that plant-based is becoming far more mainstream now. There's so much research around why it's healthier for us. So just dive in and just do it and, and dedicate to, to doing it, um, you know, as much as, as possible. Um, you know, I think it's great if you can just jump in and, you know, go fully plant-based for at least two weeks and see how that goes. But if that's too much for you, then, um, you know, maybe it's one or two days a week, uh, you know, just building it in slowly if that's easy for you. But find some way that you can start building a plant-based diet into your life and just do it and, you know, don't find excuses around it. Just do it. Um, was that three things? Just do it. Find some simple recipes and don't care what people think. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Those are three easy, good tips. Um, what are some tips, three tips that you have for people who find themselves walking across a bridge, wondering if that bridge is high enough? Oh, there's so much help out there. I mean, there's there's tons of counselors out there. There's lots of um, community programs out there. So um, if you're not feeling great or, or podcasts too, I mean, go onto Google and I mean, you can Google anything and maybe just, you know, listening to some podcasts where you can relate to other people that are, that are struggling and know that you're not the only one that's struggling and know that people love you and people do want to help you. Uh, yeah, there's so many resources out there. It's just, um, finding the right one for you and don't, uh, you know, it's hard to say, don't worry about the cost of things. Um, but you know, if you can find uh, a counselor or someone that can help you, then that's amazing. Or if you want to, you know, find a, a yoga program that's free online. Do Yoga With Me is a good free online program. They have meditation as well. Um, you know, download the Insight Timer app on your phone and uh, listen to something there. There's just, there's so many resources out there that can help you and so many books, you know, go to the library. Um, there's so many authors that provide a lot of great inspiration and it's gonna depend on, on the individual as to what inspires them. But there's just so many resources out there that can be free to use. So it's really just finding them and knowing that, um, yeah, you can lead you can lead a, a happy, happy life. All of us have that, the happiness is within us. It's just finding it. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. At the end of the day, I think we have to take one action you know, when you find yourself in that state and just do something different that day. Mm -hmm. So don't just continue, continue on the normal cycle, mm -hmm. you know, is definitely what I'm hearing from all of those tips. It's like, find that one little nugget. It could come from a book. It could come from a podcast, from a coach, um, reach out to someone and just share it with them. Uh, that can be tricky sometimes because people tend to be like, no, you're fine. So choose that person wisely, mm -hmm. um, which is why a counselor is a great resource because they're often, um, they're going to be non-biased and they're often just going to ask more questions as opposed to trying to give advice right off the bat. Um, but they're going to be advocating for you and your health. So uh, definitely, um, yeah, definitely take one action. You know, it could be so small. And I love the podcast idea because we had Chris Brooke on our show who found himself a few times in that situation where he, you know, wanted to take his life. And for him, he just happened to be sitting on the car and, you know, couldn't figure out where to hang the rope. He actually went out and bought the rope but could not figure out how to do it. And he just turned on a podcast. And for him, that changed his whole entire – that saved his life. It gets you out of your head. Exactly. Because when you start listening to something different, it can, and au like audible audiobooks, I'm a huge um, advocate for audiobooks, because yeah. then that can get you out into nature, walking and listening to something at the same time. So yeah. uh, two things that can be quite healing. Yeah. And if you have the brain fog, which can be so heavy, like it can literally feel like, you know, a thousand 
ton truck is on your head where reading is not an option, um, go for the audiobook. You know, you have to read to be able to download the audiobook and press the button. But after that, it's on your phone. Everybody's got a phone, so there's no excuse there. Um, you know, you can do it at the library. You could do it on your computer. But mm-hmm. get the audiobook and just start listening. And you might find one nugget of inspiration in there that'll just, you know, give you another day. Yeah. Yeah, give you another day where you can try something new until you find out what works. Um, is there anything that we did not cover? No, what? I think I think we I think so. It's funny because I don't know. I guess change happens so so gradually um, that it's it's hard to it's hard to remember all of the things that have kind of taken place for me over the past uh, almost two years. But I think that we've covered all of the the key pieces. The key pieces. And it's a journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like we could have another podcast in another year from now. And I'm sure there's going to be a plethora of information that you are going to acquire and learn and experiences you're going to go through. So um, for people to know that, you know, once you start on this, it's there's not an end date to supporting your mental health and physical health and spiritual health and emotional health. It's it's a journey mm-hmm. for everyone. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Andrea, thank you for being on our Eat Real to Heal podcast. I know you're nervous to be on the show. <laughs> thank you for having me. I just hope that maybe potentially something that I have shared can benefit someone else. Awesome. And I'm certain that it will. Um, I don't think there's a single podcast I've ever listened to where I didn't learn one thing that's helped me and supported me and and made my day and my life a little bit better. So I know that you, you sharing your story, um, is it's going to change even just one person's life, but I have a feeling it's going to be a lot more than that. So I thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So everybody out there, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and stay tuned for the next podcast coming out every Thursday on the Eat Real to Heal show. You can listen to it on iTunes, on Spotify, and if you just Google Eat Real to Heal podcast, you will come across all of our shows. If you know somebody else out there who is a healing hero, a wellness warrior, somebody who's taken their health into their own hands and said, enough is enough. I need to reclaim my health health, reclaim my life, please introduce them to us and have them give us a call at info. Oh, that's not the call. Um, Send us an email to info at richerhealth.ca. Andrea will be responding to those emails and we would love to have you on the show so that you can be part of this storytelling movement um, of getting the word out there Um, of relating to others and to helping other people be able to learn from your experiences so they can heal themselves. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. So how was that show for you? Were you inspired by Andrea's story and her ability to literally take the bull by the horn um, being the fact that we are a vegan based company maybe that's not the right terminology to use but really she went out there and she did what so many people fail to do she decided that there had to be a different way she saw something that came across her Instagram feed or Facebook feed and she was you know she took action she said okay enough is enough I'm going to change my health starting today and you know when she contacted us maybe we wouldn't have been the right program for her that's all 
to possible. There's so many trainings out there that people can take. But what differentiates Andrea from the rest of the people that think about taking action is that she actually did take action. She tried it, she wanted to see if it would work. And then what you see from her story is that that shifted the course of her life. She ended up leaving her previous career. She's now working for us, learning all of these new things, but all so she can continue to spread the Eat Real to Heal message far and wide, which is her new mission and her new passion in life. And there's no doubt she'll be doing this for decades and decades and decades to come because she has such a gift in being able to teach people directly through her experience of hitting rock bottom, of being in that place where life wasn't worth living, but then finding the light, seeing the light and being able to come out the other side in this vibrant and healthy way. So if this show resonated with you or if it prompted you to think about a friend or a family member that might currently be in the same place where Andrea ended up two years ago, then please share the show with your friend or your loved one. That's the easiest thing that you can do is simply to hit the up arrow button on the podcast link and just send it to them and say, you know what? I was thinking about you. I love you. I care for you. I want you to be healthy. This might be one option. Just listen to this podcast and then invite them to contact you and let them know um, that they can just share their opinion of the podcast. Maybe they hated it. Maybe they didn't like it. Maybe it didn't resonate with them, but you can at least start a conversation because so many times there's people who are quietly battling this out trying to find an answer and they just don't know where to turn and you know it literally could be a podcast link that can turn things around for them or maybe it's a book or maybe it's just showing up with a bag of groceries and cooking a meal with your loved one and telling them that you care for them and you want them to be well you don't have to offer any more advice than that but we do need to rise up and stand alongside the people in our life that are going through these challenging times of trying to figure out how to manage their chronic illness they're living in chronic pain um, they're suffering from depression and you know one of the things that we tend to think of we tend to think of uh, depression as being such a shameful thing but it's not it actually should be regarded as a starting point for a conversation maybe it's with you Maybe it's with a counselor, maybe it's with a business coach, maybe it's with a nutritionist or a doctor or somebody, but we just need to start that conversation. So please share that link, this link for the podcast with that person in your life that you were thinking of as you were listening to this podcast and just see where you know it takes that person. At the end of the day, if it doesn't take them anywhere from where they are now, then you're not any worse off and they are not either. But if it has the opportunity to help them, then you know what? You did something good today. So if you, this podcast also inspired you to learn more about our nutrition and detox coaching program, which is really based on the Gerson therapy principles of reversing disease and healing, then why not book a discovery call with us? We'll get on the phone with you. I'll chat with you about our program and we'll figure out if it's a right fit 
for you right now in your life. Um, Maybe it's not for right now, maybe it's for later, but everything that you learn in here, you'll be able to apply the knowledge and the skills and the art and the science of using food as medicine. You'll be able to incorporate that into your family life with your kids and your loved ones, uh, your partner, even into your workspace as well. So take this opportunity to learn about it because everything that you learn in our program literally will be able to save someone's life and you'll have the skills, you'll have the knowledge, you'll have the resources to be able to teach other people how to use food as medicine, even if they're battling the worst of the worst diseases, even if they're going through treatment, through conventional treatment, we are not opposed to that at all whatsoever. Sometimes people think that it's either or that you're in that conventional camp or you're in the alternative camp and that's not what we teach we actually teach you how to use food as medicine every single day of your life no matter what other treatment options you are going through so give us a call book that discovery session um, and we'll help you decide if this is the right program for you so we hope to hear from you and in the meantime continue to eat real and not just heal your physical body but also heal your mind and your spirit be well